Make money online. So, Kai, you and my way of life is being threatened. Um, good. It's being threatened. It's not good. Oh, that? It's actually bad. Yes, thank you. Okay, that's the word I was hoping for. It was bad. Um, it's being threatened by a credit card. Um, I've never had that happen to me before because I usually, like, I don't carry a balance. Like, I pair off my credit cards on time. But this is a different kind of threaten. Um, it's being threatened by something called the Chase Sapphire Reserve. Have you ever heard of this? Oh, yes, I you have. ever heard of this? I am uh, intimately yo, familiar with this. Yo, do you own a Chase Sapphire Reserve? I do. Yo, fuck the Chase Sapphire Reserve. <laughs> I was at Gaslight the other day, which is one of my coffee shops, and... I was next to a table of like seven like well-heeled looking like preppy millennial types. Um, and they, they all had like really nice skin, like like the kind of skin that you're like, I want that skin. And I didn't even realize I needed that kind of skin, but I can't rip it off your body because that would be inconvenient and messy. Like that kind of skin, right? And they're all fucking talking. All of them, all seven of them got the Chase Sapphire Reserve with a 100,000 mile bonus, right? And they're all like rhapsodic about it. And they're all talking about how hard it is for them to find business class round trip tickets on award seats because all of the mileage partners that work with Chase are just swamped with people who are taking the 100,000 mile bonus and cashing it in just immediately. So if you have a Chase Sapphire Reserve, fuck you, because I use United as my carrier, and they're one of the mileage partners, and you know when they de inevitably devalue their miles by like a tenth next year, that all of the other carriers are going to follow suit, and my strategy to get to Hong Kong for $42 is fucked. I hate all of you. I hate, hate, hate you. I'm holding the microphone and just... I hate you like my partner hates Duke. <laughs> it's a really I good want credit card. To, I want you to play North Carolina in basketball and lose by 70 points. <laughs> now. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm so worked about this. You know, you know the other shoe is going to drop. You I know, know the other shoe is going to drop. I know it's going to be bad. I and know we're all complicit in it. Like, yep. everybody who tried to travel hack, like Leia, I'm going to tell Leia to listen to this episode. Leia is the only person I know who travel hacks harder than me and is still one of my closest friends. And she got to like Barcelona and spent like five nights in the Ritz Carlton for like $20. Oh my gosh. Right? Right? Leia, we got found out. <laughs> This is grim. Like, Somebody left the door open. How many, how many, like, my entire generation who makes over $100,000 a year is awash in free miles right now, and it sucks. It's, and this is, I know, the first worldiest problem. You're listening to a podcast called Make Money Online. Get over yourself. Like, come on. I know. Oh, my God, my microphone just fell over. I'm so angry at the microphone. <laughs> like, it just dropped dead on my boom stand. Oh, my God. That's what happens when you scream hate into your microphone. I hate you, microphone. <laughs> oh, my God. But so, we definitely are in a points uh, bubble. I mean, I'm, I'm on uh, the points oh, yeah. com and I'm looking at their favorite partner cards in 50, 85, 165. You can get close to 300,000 points, and there's pretty much always a one-to-one -one transfer over 
you could get close to 300,000 miles if you got all five of these preferred cards right now. Like, that's insane. Yeah, so there's there's a lot. There's a lot, right? Like, there's... And your credit scores, so FICO and by proxy, the three credit reporting agencies don't punish you for opening a lot of credit cards if you have a history of paying on time. So you can do like 20 hard pulls and theoretically, I'm being very simplistic here. I know a lot of people are going to be like, actually, Nick D, but I know. Um, but like, yeah. So with that in mind, um, I don't know how you fly anywhere anymore. <laughs> you might have to pay money for tickets. You might have to like, yeah, and like fly and coach. I'm so sorry. Like you, your your seat might not flatten. I, oof. Yeah, I'm having uh, flashbacks. Yeah, <laughs> but okay. So there's there's a there's a silver lining to this. Um, there are a lot of carriers. So if you use um. There are a lot of like flight deals where you can't use miles and you end up in coach, but you end up in coach for like $500 round trip to Europe. There are a million of those. So if you go on, um, I only know the Twitter account shy flight deals, C H I flight deals, because I live in Chicago and, um, I really only fly out of O'Hare. So that's really useful for knowing. And it's, and it's literally just like Chicago to X. So occasionally you get Chicago to horrible places like Dubai or Manila where they're killing everyone and you don't want to go there. Um, but then sometimes you get Chicago to Copenhagen or like other liberal democracies where you can figure out how actual civilized people live. And it's thrilling. Oh, my God. I'm going to Copenhagen in November for, again for 10 days. Um, and I'm taking my partner this time and we're going to eat all of the s'more abroad and drink all of the coffee and go to all of the McKellar bars. I only went to two last time. That's egregious. There are five McKellar bars in Copenhagen. That means I still have a failing score and I'm going to fix it. <laughs> I'm going to fix it big time. Um, story about flying. Um, I, uh, so I flew to Hong Kong. You, you all know about the Hong Kong thing. Uh, one thing you don't know about the Hong Kong thing is I get up to the um, the the baggage person, the, the baggage handler who like takes your luggage and then you go into security. And uh, uh, she's like, oh, you have one bag? I'm like, yeah. And she's like, you don't have any other bags? I'm like, no. Why would I have any other bags? She's like, okay, well, put the one bag on there. Um, and I put it on there. And she's like, is there anything in this bag? And I'm like, Yes. Yes, there is. In fact, there's, you know, supplies and and um, clothing for 10 days in Asia. And she's like, this bag weighs nine pounds. <laughs> I'm like, yes, <laughs> that's because the actual bag weighs four pounds. And then the rest of the stuff inside of it weighs five pounds. And that is enough to sustain me for five days in Asia. And she's like, are you are you OK? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm excited to go on my trip to Hong Kong. She's like, you sure you don't have anything else? How much does your backpack weigh? And she sees my backpack and I put it on. I'm like, well, I'm not like bluffing you by bringing like a 90 pound backpack on. Um, and I put the backpack on and it's like three pounds. Oh, uh, uh, I think the fundamental thing that you, the two fundamental lessons you have learned when it comes to traveling that you have imparted to me and we in turn are imparting to our listeners is you don't need to take it all with you. You should ruthlessly cut what you are taking with you on a trip until you feel like it is too much and then cut a tiny bit more because 95% of the time, either you don't actually need it and you aren't going to run into a problem if you don't have it, or you could buy it there. 
And once I realized that, once I recognized that, I went from like two suitcases of stuff for a four day trip to one small bag for a week long trip. And it was really an awakening moment to be able to say like, oh wow, yeah, so I'm going to Costa Rica. If I don't have shampoo, I could buy shampoo there. It's not gonna be the end of the world. And I was able to drastically cut what I brought with me. And also recognizing like when I, when I'm in Eugene, I wear like one pair of jeans for three days straight. But when I go on vacation, I'm like, I need seven pairs of pants just in case. Like, what if the king invites me out? I need I need the suit too. Uh, when I went to Barcelona in the summer, I brought two suit jackets with me because I don't know why. And now I very much adopt a almost conmarie approach to packing where I'm asking like, do I honestly need this? Do I really need this? Can I think of a justifiable reason to bring this with me? I need to find an argument to have it in the bag rather than find an argument to take it out of the bag. Yeah. So um, I'm going to list a few brands because we've already done the minimal packing bit. And then we're going to move on to like what happens when you're actually there and like how to travel well, because I think that's more important and a little bit more like on topic for this. Um, Eagle Creek for packing cubes and dop kits. Um, they are the absolute best for it. Get the lightest one. I believe it's called Spectre. Um, and uh you get packing cubes in order to pack more clothing. You roll your clothing and put it in. Take enough for about three days of travel, regardless of how long you are traveling. Um, the next thing that you need to get is soak laundry detergent. That is, um, it is basically uh, no rinse, no like, and you can air dry your laundry. Um, and then you need to be wearing only clothing that you can do that to or wear multiple times. I wear smart wool socks multiple times, so I end up bringing only two pairs, and then I bring four pairs of underwear and four pairs of shirts. That is it. Um, again, take the KonMari approach. Like, I don't sleep with pajamas unless I'm in, like, a guest house with 10 other people. If I'm just in a hotel room, no need to sleep in pajamas, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, we had a ton of show notes on how to pack if you're a lady um, from a bunch of different sources. Um, we're both dudes, so consult those. Solid cleaning products. I use J.R. Liggett's Bar Soap uh, for shampoo. Um, I take a thing of a bar soap of uh, Brahmers, Brahmers, the, the uh, all one hippie stuff. I take a bar soap of that and I literally cut it in half. And then I bring, and then I fill in a normal soap case. Half of it is the ligates, that's the shampoo, and half of it is the soap, and that is everything that I need. You can probably condense that further into, like, a bottle of body wash that goes into the TSA limit and a bottle of shampoo. However, I try and travel with as few liquids as humanly possible. It's really just toothpaste. Um, compressible water bottle. Um, that's another really big one. Compressible secondary backpack. If I'm traveling for a really long period of time, I use Sandquist's Ultralight. And a foldable toothbrush. Uh, you don't have to think about a brand on that one. Use only the travel size of toothpaste that your dentist gives you. They are saleable on Amazon. Um, beyond that, I have a folding comb. So everything is like folding and compressing, and I just have a whole second set of stuff. If you are taking stuff out of your shower and then bringing it on a trip, you have fucked up. Um, the largest single object is actually, no, this is not the case anymore. It used to be my underarm deodorant. I got an alum block for underarm deodorant that's called crystal. And now I just use that. Um, and it's maybe the size of a thimble. Uh, and <laughs> so like, 
I get the smallest dop kit from Eagle Creek that they sell and have a lot of spare room left in it. Um, I put everything in tiny one ounce bottles. Kai, you and I were in a Muji store together in um, Hong Kong. And you watched you watched some like deep cut Nick D moment where I was at the bottle section vetting the like structural integrity of the tiniest bottles they have. It was about a I, I want to say ten minutes, but it probably was closer to five minute analysis of these two different bottles. I think one was like what was the volume on these? Uh oh, it was like less than an ounce. It was like point seven five ounces. Yeah, like point seven five ounce, and it was like a very Enough very. For- Enough for a seven-day trip. You just refill mm-hmm. it when you get home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a very reasoned analysis of like A or B, benefits of A, benefits of B, cost of A, cost of B. And uh, no, it was deep cut analysis on it. And it improved your packing experience. And like, I think this connects to a lot of what we connect, what we talk about on every episode where you start off with your business with a plan and you expose the plan to a market and you see what happens. You expose a service to a market and see what happens. You expose yourself to a travel experience and you see what happens. And over time, you incrementally refine how you approach the art of travel, just like you incrementally improve how you approach the art of doing business. And that gets you to a point where you're saying like, well, okay, my entire packing experience is 12 pounds, including the bags for a week, over a week uh, out of the country on a long haul flight. And you get there by incrementally identifying what the deficiencies are and then figuring out what the solution is. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you're figuring out optimizations to it. So if you aren't coming back with a list of three or four things that you screwed up on your trip and that you're going to try and fix next time, you're not paying close enough attention to that experience, right? There are always friction points. And so, you know, the same with your business. Um, What are the goals? Not just minimize the amount of packing room that you have and maximize the amount of space. I fly with pretty much empty luggage and I come back with extremely full luggage on international trips. And then I give gifts to everybody, uh, including and especially myself. Um, (laughs) And uh, there's another thing to keep in mind, though, is... um, maximizing the experience that you are getting travel time is special time right you do not want to spend your travel time doing any of the following if you can avoid it poking around in a grocery store because i tell you man i've traveled a lot i've been to basically every continent except for south america and africa um and tons and tons of different cultures, huge variety. The grocery stores in Sweden look exactly like the grocery stores in the United States of America. You are not enriching your experience by going to a Stockholm grocery store. So maybe don't do that, right? <laughs> maybe maybe don't spend 30 minutes on a wild goose chase in like a bottle shop somewhere unless it has a specific reason for an outcome. Right? Oh, I've got, I've got a rabbit hole story here that delves directly into this. So I'm in I'm in San Sebastian, Spain, uh, for my three week vacation in Spain in 2012, and I had decided to let my beard grow. And we're in like month two of Kai beard, and I wake up in this hotel room, and I had left my shoes out on the balcony because it was sunny, and I was sitting on the balcony the night before it rained. So the one pair of shoes I have are now soaked. Uh, 
I then proceed to try to shave my beard using the tiny, crappy, little disposable razor and soap they have in the hotel room. This is two months of Kai beard. If you've ever met me, I have hair everywhere. And my beard is a force to be reckoned with. I made it about through a quarter of the beard in total over different areas before the razor snapped in half. And Hell so yeah. I'm now standing in my hotel room with a pair of wet shoes that I'm attempting to dry with the hair dryer to wear down to walk to the grocery store with my patchy ass beard to buy the necessary shaving equipment. I spent a total of four hours in what is regarded as one of the most beautiful cities in Spain and one of the most picturesque beaches in the world, schlepping around to a grocery store with no Spanish knowledge to buy equipment that should have been part of my kit or that I should have just acknowledged as like, no, you know what? Today is not the day where I should shave my beard. Today is the day I should go explore the beautiful, picturesque beach. I think you're exactly right. The goal of a trip is to maximize your enjoyable time on the trip. And you do that by preparation ahead of time and acknowledging, as per this story, what you do need to do on the trip and what you could defer until after the trip. Yeah. Um, and I mean when you're doing those sorts of things, like try and be focused. Like if you're going back to your, if you're going back to your hotel room for nap time, be very intentional about when the nap time ends. So you don't just waste an entire afternoon of vacation time because vacation time is sacred time. You are probably like the majority of humans and spending the vast majority of your time in the same environment every day. You know, I think about how last year I spent, Oh gosh, 10, 12 weeks on the road. Okay, that means I spent 42 weeks in Chicago every single day. I should not be doing anything on my travel that passes for the quotidian experiences that I do in my day-to-day -day life in Chicago, right? And that includes, unless I have a very good reason to maximize my experience, things like sitting in a grocery store or napping or waiting for a train, you know, like... You have to make sure that you're maximizing your wait time, right? So that's another thing. Like I bought, like if you can buy VIP tickets to skip the line at any museums, my God, do this at the Louvre, the Uffizi, my God. But if there are situations where you can't avoid skipping the line, then, um, and this is especially apparent in a place like Tokyo, um, where a line is a sign of a good place. So you're going to be waiting in line a lot. Um, Figure out ways to maximize your experience while you're in line. So you're going to be probably traveling with companions if you're in Tokyo. Um, bring a little game to play with them. Um, spend some time like having somebody else hold down the line while you wander around the neighborhood and then a specific time that you come back. Um, all of those things are really, really valuable. And making sure that you're maximizing your experience also comes in the form of like wayfinding, right? So it's very easy to sit in Uber all the time and do that. You don't want to do that. You don't want to sit in a cab. You want to try and travel by train or bike whenever you possibly can because, or by foot especially because you can see more of the city. And another rule that I follow around this is never take the same route twice, right? This is one of the most influential life lessons you have ever shared with me that I've never taken the same route twice. It blew my mind and it has influenced me in so many ways. Yeah. And I, it's so simple though, right? Like mm -hmm. most cities are on a grid or there's multiple ways to get around side streets. And so, you know, if you have to take the same route twice, like you're in Boston or London and there's no grid and you don't know how to get around, like fine, do it. But like, 
the majority of American cities are on a grid and the majority of like Asian cities are on something approaching a grid enough that you can probably get around like doing weird stuff. Right. So, um, those are, I don't know. Those are a few tips that like the goal is to maximize new things coming into your face. Right. And so doing the same thing twice is not something that I do terribly often on a trip. And when I do do the same thing twice, it is because it is hyperbolic excellence. Unbelievable hyperbolic excellence. The best cortado of my entire life to this day I got in Toronto. Uh, and I ordered the same cortado twice in a row. And Aaron and I call it the John Peel cortado because... Um, if you know the BBC DJ John Peel, he like played teenage kicks on repeat and broke down crying on the air. So, uh, so yeah, that's, that's one of those things like you should be very, very careful and intentional and lucid about the things that you're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I think uh, yeah, within, with oh no, within that intentionality, I think one thing, just thinking back to the recent time we spent together in Hong Kong on that group trip by, by creating this intentionality, by constructing let's say parameters for your vacation around you, you give yourself, you don't realize it, but you're giving yourself more slack time for experiences you don't expect. I think about uh, when the three of us wandered into that temple and that wasn't on that wasn't on the agenda. That wasn't something we were planning on. But because we had built our schedule for the day around, like, we're going to explore the city for a little bit. We have a lunch reservation at this place. We're going to go do that thing then. But we have some slack time, let's explore, we were able to have a serendipitous experience that was unplanned and one of the highlights, at least on my side for the trip, and yay, it came out of there being these parameters and these parameters protecting that safe and sacred time of the vacation. Yeah, absolutely. Like, by doing this, you're not adhering to a rigid schedule. In fact, you're kind of doing quite the opposite. Isn't that the way? Like, you have a place you might need to be at a certain time, but then there's a lot of gap time, and then you're following this weird winding route to get there, and so you just know, okay, by this point I have to be there. So you can hurry eventually. But, um, yeah, we, like, uh, ran into this one random temple on our way to, like, lunch or something, or coffee, I don't even remember. Um, and it was awesome. <laughs> and, and I did that because I deliberately did not overpack the day, right? Like, I know that I'm going to be finding a lot of weird random crap because I've never been to a city in mainland Asia before, right? Like... And so I know, and I also don't really know fully how to get around yet. I don't know how often the MTR runs, and I don't know how long it takes to get to a place, and I don't know how, like, vertical or horizontal or diagonal I have to go to get to a place, especially in Hong Kong, where, like, you might be going to a bar on the 50th floor of a building. There's a lot um, of vertical. <laughs> there's a lot of vertical, right? So, and you, you know, I was warned of that. Um, but, yeah. Um, the goal... The goal is to seize it. Mm -hmm. The goal is to know that you are privileged and lucky to be doing this even with your stupid fucking Chase Sapphire Reserve card that I hate. <laughs> and to seize every second of it because when are, when are you going to be back? Mm -hmm. You know? And, and what I, is it going to be like when you're back? Right, right. And I'd say seizing it doesn't necessarily mean packing in like, like we talked about packing in every single possible thing and having the binder full of things to do and every minute planned out perfectly for me some of my happiest vacation moments have been a day where i had nothing planned 
And the only reason, to jump back earlier into the episode, the only reason I was able to experience the joy of having nothing planned in that day and have it be a successful day was because I had sandboxed my time and attention to say, hey, you know what? The happiest day I could give myself is going to be bumping around Copenhagen or wandering around Barcelona. I have no agenda. I have no plan. I have no clue what's going to happen. But I've given myself the space to experience this. And what else in my life am I going to get to experience a day wandering around La Rambla or wandering around looking at the architecture or sitting on a beach in Barcelona except for today? So by being so diligent in constructing the parameters of your vacation, you give yourself that internal experience. I'm repeating myself from earlier, but I think it's an important point that you don't need to jam everything possible into a vacation, but you need to jam whatever is most important to you. And what's important to you, dear listener, may not be what's most important to me or most important to Nick. I know Nick and I have different outcomes we look for in traveling, but we have a good time traveling together because we travel in a similar way. Yeah. Um, also know who is good to travel with. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. that's a huge one. That's, 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 huge one. that's one of my tests for a relationship. Yeah, marry someone you're going to travel well with. Seriously. And that is is one of the hardest things. I tell you, one of my... Some of my closest friends I would not consider traveling with. Some of my closest friends I've had disasters traveling with, and then I'm like, nope, never again. That's it. You, You wasted my travel time. One of the larger sins you can do against me is to waste my travel time. Um, and I... Yeah, <laughs> everyone should have SIM cards and fuck off when they need to. <laughs> huge, huge, huge one. Have a SIM card with a data plan or don't travel with me. Yeah, huge plug for, uh, for noroaming.com. Yeah, noroaming.com is big. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, um, but like travel-worthy people, I could I could name it on one hand and I'd have figures, fingers left. Mm-hmm. Like, that few number of people. And I know, and I'm friends with a lot more people than that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm married to one of them. So that mm-hmm. should give you a sense. Um, what I think else should... When to ditch your companion. Like, oh, there, there, there comes a point in any trip, even when, like, you're with a friend where you're like, I want to go F off and do my own thing for a bit. And that's okay. And that's a positive thing. And... I recognize that, that it's positive. And if it happens yeah. for most of the trip, that is also positive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's okay to um, say, I want to do, I, I want to do this thing. You don't need to come. I don't want you to come. We'll meet up later. Yeah. And uh, one thing that I love asking is, are you okay with doing this? You know, and routinely checking in on the travel companion to make sure that they're okay with this experience, because ultimately You are either corporeally present in a situation or you are not. It is a binary, okay? So keeping that in mind, one person is probably leading on exactly what the thing is you should be doing. There are certain exceptions, but even then you can get granular, right? So let's say you're in Paris and you're all in Paris for the first time. If you're not going to the Louvre, you're fucking up. I think it's pretty objective that you end up going to the Louvre unless all of you somehow hate art or culture or um, like you flew 4,000 miles and you don't want to like tell your family that you saw the Mona Lisa for some reason. Like, (laughs) um, so all of those things, right? Okay, well, now you're in the Louvre. Okay, there's maybe four of you. The Louvre is really big and strategies for tackling the Louvre are vastly different, right? And the Mona Lisa actually sucks. 
So keeping that all in mind, how, even though you are all in the Louvre and you're all there for a few hours, one of you wants to see the Renaissance paintings. One of you is obsessed in ancient Egyptian stuff and you want to go to the Egyptian antiquities. P.S. The Louvre is the largest selection of Egyptian antiquity outside of Egypt. It is a mind-boggling amount. Uh, I spent probably two Staggering. hours. Staggering. And you never know that, no. right? Right. Or you want to, or some other person wants to go see the Greek stuff. E.G., right? Mm -hmm. Okay, well, mm -hmm. any one of those will fill four hours. Yep. And I think people accidentally, and myself included, you end up doing a lowest common denominator thing where it's like 30 minutes here, 30 minutes there, 30 minutes here, when an acceptable strategy that I don't think is talked about often enough is let's split the party for an hour and we're going to meet in the cafe in an hour and 15 minutes. Some slack time since some people might get caught up in a thing, but you want an hour with the Renaissance paintings. I want an hour with the Egyptian stuff. You want an hour with the Greek stuff. We're all going to have so much more joy if we spend that time apart observing the thing. Or somebody might be like, I'm just excited to look at the stuff. Is it okay if I tag along? I don't have a strong preference here. I just want to experience the art with other people. Having that communication, having that discussion, and figuring out what that optimum strategy is for you and your group and your traveling companions, it's so important. Oftentimes, I end up liking letting somebody else drive on decisions like that. Like, I might I might have a slight preference for one art style over another in the Louvre, but I'm also really excited to experience the art with another person. And so, if you really want to go see the Egyptian stuff, awesome. That might not have been number one on my list, but what's number one on my list is experiencing the art with somebody else. Yes, yes. And, you know, uh, I think this is magnified when... <laughs> My, both me and my partner are um, very self-interested lone wolf types, right? And I'll tell you, good story. She never listens to the po this podcast, so I can talk about this. Um, my partner, uh, we were walking around Barcelona on, of all things, our honeymoon. So, like, obviously, we should be, like, really romantically connected and, like, having a great time. And we were, and it was great. We had a really great time on most of the honeymoon. And then one day, like, five days in, we had spent, like, 24-7 around all, like, each other this entire time. She just looked at me and was like, I hate this. Goodbye. And walked off. And then we had a separate afternoon. It was great. That's wonderful. <laughs> and and you know both of us. You know that that's like obviously a thing that can happen, right? Yes. Like, yes. Very much so. <laughs> you and do like, speak in a shorthand. Yeah. It's like, I hate this. Like, we're doing this thing, but I hate it. Like, and great. Go away. Mm -hmm. You are mm -hmm. not a monster and you have a cell phone with a data plan. So you can text me anytime you want to hand. And you know what? I put out the Grimes record and just walked around like Bari Gothic and like had a blast. Mm -hmm. Went in some record stores, had some coffee, just just journaled, you know. Mm -hmm. That's fun. That's, that's my nice romantic honeymoon. <laughs> it, it's nice being able to take time apart from each other, I think. Like to get meta into relationships for a second, which is one thing we haven't talked about, relationships as a consultant. But I think being able to take that time apart is so important and being able to communicate that, especially when traveling. Since again, it's sacred time. And yeah. if your vision of sacred time is different than my vision of sacred time, that's great. You do your sacred time. I'll do my sacred time. Yeah. Yeah. And like if I'm sapping away the sacred time that you have and doing it on things that you hate or find boring or whatever, 
go away. Please, let us just be with ourselves for a moment and and take some time to like be present in our environment because when else again when else mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like you're in barcelona i don't know when I'm, i haven't been back since my honeymoon and i don't know when i'm gonna go back and it's sad because it's amazing mm-hmm. so when else yeah very true this is something i want your input on since you do this very well and it's an area that i'd love to level up how do you vet the restaurants you want to go to or like you you love going to boutiques when we travel how do Ah. you how do you build your list ahead of time how do you figure out what's on that list we got a new that this is the best part of this episode imho um so it's not just restaurants but i separate it uh into categories um there is um and this is these are my categories, so like whatever. But um, there are uh, brunch, dinner, brunch slash lunch, dinner, coffee shops, um, cultural things, boutiques, uh, parks, um, bars. I think that's it. I'm sure I'm going to remember one or two others. But anyway, I find these broad categories, right? And then I kind of schedule out, okay, well, in the morning, we're going to end up going to a coffee shop. And in the afternoon, we're probably going to get tired, so we're going to go to coffee shops. There's two coffee shops per day. Um, and then I tell as many people as possible that I'm going places. Um, and can I get recommendations? Um, I take the recommendations of natives the most seriously. I take the recommendations of people who have massive connections to a place. Like my friend Kim, her dad grew up in Hong Kong, and she's been back every year her entire life. So, yes, I take her recommendations quite a bit uh, seriously, more more seriously than other people, uh, people who have vacationed there. Um, and then I look at like online recommendations. So those are the ones generally online or travel guides are like the most like this is the obvious thing. Right. So if you um, like in Tokyo, Sutaya Books and Teesside Garden, the one that um, not the Sutaya that's on like Shibuya Square, but the one that's three buildings in this amazing park. I don't know anyone who didn't recommend that to me. And that includes all of the travel guides. Of course, I went there. And of course, it was stunning. It's one of the best bookstores I've been to in my entire life. Um, but like, if there are repeats, you know, um, if it's like a long time institution and family run, I tend to favor it, those sorts of things. Um, and then I sort by neighborhood. Um, uh, yeah. So this is another thing. I group everything by neighborhoods. Outliers are usually discarded unless I get utter hyperbole about it. Um, and then it's like, okay, well, this is a day trip, right? So, uh, for example, in Paris, there's a park. You have to like travel, transfer to like three different metro trains to get there, and it's called Parc des Buttes Chaumont. Um, it is a fairy tale. It's not real. It's just unbelievable and worth the like hour commute in each direction that we did to get to it. Um, so you're weighing that, right? Um, and people were, you know, pretty hyperbolic about it at the time, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I grew up by. I group by oh dude, um, I group by neighborhood, and then the week before the trip, it is uh, what I call recommendations week or rec week, and that is every night of that week I spend. I block. You cannot hang out with me the week before an international trip. It is sacred, like unless it's like a birthday and I'll of a close family member, and I'll be there for like a half hour, and then I'll go back to rec week. 
I spend all of that time planning out what's good because I'm usually sorting through like a couple hundred things in each neighborhood. Um, and realistically, I'm only going to end up at like six. What wins, right? And then what happens in between? So another thing is the things that don't win in a neighborhood, often they're like boutiques that are on the route from point A to point B, and I don't realize it. And so they get cut, but I keep them around because I know that eventually I'm just going to wander past it, and it's worth the two minutes of my time and not the half hour of my time. Recommendations week is, it's a real thing. Um, oh, two months beforehand, um, survey restaurants that need reservations and try and get reservations there. Um, two months is usually the time when you can at least set dates on your calendar to remind yourself to get reservations at restaurants. But if you're going for the like fancy Michelin shit, like two months, mm -hmm. two months mm -hmm. everywhere. Um, so I, you know, and that, that goes for you visiting Chicago, Kai. <laughs> I'm calling Kubas. Uh, you're going to parachute. Uh, <laughs> and I need two months advance notice on it. Um, but yeah, um, so that's, that's pretty much it. Like, I'll buy tickets to museums two months in advance sometimes. Like, I need, you need that for, like, the Louvre, the UFC to get the, like, VIP shit. Um, or shows. Like, I'll check what bands are touring, but, like rarely does that ever actually turn into something because like what bands are in Hong Kong? Like, come on. And they're bands that I'm usually seeing at home. Um, that was not the case when I found out gas was touring New York, you know, like I was like, well, I'm there. <laughs> Good. Um, I think, but the, yeah, the Sorry? biggest travel related mess up I've made is, uh, uh, I, I, for long hauls. Like when I flew to Hong Kong, I flew in a coach in economy and, I should have done business. I really, really should have. I did not. <laughs> I did not realize how much of an impact it has. And I had a friend who just a couple of weeks ago flew to New Zealand and he went business both ways. And he was like, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's a trip. You are on a flight for a long period of time. But I got off. I was rested. It took me less than a day to recover. And then I felt normal. Me, I was dragging ass the entire time I was in Hong Kong. And it took me two weeks after I got back to Oregon to actually feel human again. Like it, it, if you're able to afford it, if you're able to get your Chase Sapphire Reserve and use the points on it, it's worth the upgrade to business. It honestly really is. I cost cut in the wrong area there, and you pay a price for it. So another thing is um, flag carriers, especially in Europe and Asia, have a thing where you can bid on business class seats after you book coach. And then they'll fill out business with the highest bids. So you can usually get business class for pretty cheap. That's how I ended up getting Amsterdam to O'Hare for, I think, um, I think it was $130 or something cheap. Um, it was because they had a really undersold business class and I'd flown a lot. Um, so that's, that's always an option. Um, but yeah, yeah. So mm -hmm. um, sacred time. It's all. Travel time is sacred time. It is you time. And, and you are the things that you put in front of your face. And you should do what you can to have agency around that and, and have fun. Travel well. Be happy. And take the trip that you want to. You deserve it.